Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the opportunity to come to glorify and honor you in the uh, thoughts that we presented tonight. I pray, Father, that you would uh, uh, use me as a, a vessel to teach tonight and to talk about um, something that's very important that you have commanded us to do and that of evangelism. Um, we are so thankful for who you are and for what you are. For There's no one like you and there is no other God. And we are so thankful for the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus, who is God and who took on humanity on our behalf to pay the debt that we could not. And by simply faith alone in him and what he has done, we can have a perfect standing with you. So, Father, I pray that these words would be edifying and beneficial and um, I pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. So um, Alex is not here tonight, and so he was asked me to fill in, and uh, I'm ha- I was happy to do it. He he asked if I would give him another missionary update. And I, I thought about it. I thought, you know, there is a lot of new things on the mission field that we could go through, but. It just, we've done that before, and I think everyone's fairly familiar with that. And so I I thought about it, and um, earlier, some uh, months ago, I was talking to Alex, and I said, you know, I really wish we could get some people in here to, to maybe teach us how to evangelize better and give us some methods or some thoughts and talks. He said, he, he did what, um. What I do, he kind of turned it on me. <laughs> and he said, yeah, that's a great idea. I want you to do it. <laughs> and uh, so uh, initially I said, well, let me think about that a little bit. But uh, after he asked, I said, you know, that's a great idea. And uh, I, I'm blessed in um, the profession that I have to have a very great opportunity to talk to a number of different and varied people about the Lord. So what I wanted to do tonight, because um, everyone here has a pretty solid base if you've been going here for a long time. Doctrinally, you've got a lot of teaching, and perhaps you do a lot of evangelizing in your own life, but I'm hoping I can share with you what God has done in my life and what he's allowed me to do. Some of this may sound like a, a testimony, and I'm, I'm not a big testimony person. They can turn into bragamonies, and this is the last thing I want that to be. But I do want to share with you the opportunities that um, God has allowed me to have and some things that he showed me that I can do and a lot of things that I probably shouldn't do um, and things that have been successful in ways that have that have uh, things that have worked and some that haven't. So um, I'm going to open um, just with a passage from a book and, and I want you to and I'm going to we're going to talk about this book later on. So I'm not going to say a whole lot about it, but it is written to and for from the perspective of someone who has missed the rapture and so I'm just going to just going to open with this and it'll take me just a minute to read this and then we'll go on in 
to the rest of what we're going to talk about tonight. I know <clears throat> that sounds ominous, talking about coming events that are going to come, but it's true. At this point, there is no reason to tiptoe around the truth. If you're reading these words, after the disappearance of millions of people, the rapture, you are part of the generation that will experience a series of cascading calamities unlike anything in the annals of human history. The world is on the precipice of a plunge into a time of unparalleled trouble. Jesus spoke of this terminal generation two millennia ago when he said, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Matthew twenty-four, thirty-three. What's happening around you is undoubtedly traumatizing and deeply disturbing. You may feel like you're in the cast of an apocalyptic movie set in a dystopic future. I'm sure you have found yourself asking questions you've never asked before and never dreamed you would be asking. Even so, no matter how ominous things look, God is still in control and holds the future in his hand. God is the director and producer of the final drama. As Sinclair Ferguson reminds us, that is why we can be quietly confident, not because we know exactly what God is doing in this unpredictable world, but because we know that what is unpredictable to us is already predicted by him. Someone, maybe a relative or close friend who cares about you deeply, may have given you this book and ask you to read it in the event people all over the world vanish in a split second of time. Perhaps you picked it up because you are shocked, afraid, and confused about what's happening and what lies ahead. Or maybe your curiosity has been piqued, and you're reading this book before the vanishing <clears throat> of millions of people over the globe. No matter why you're reading this book or when you're reading it, you're probably wondering, is there hope? I can answer with a definite and resounding yes. I wrote this book for you with one simple purpose in mind, to give you hope in the darkness. You must, however, take care that your hope is accurately placed. You must put your hope in Jesus Christ. Please know that I prayed earnestly for you and that this book would find its way into your hands and that God will use this book to shine the light of Jesus Christ in your heart. During the French Revolution... Political prisoners were herded into dungeons. In one cell, a prisoner had a Bible. His cell was crammed with men who wanted to hear the word of God. Once each day, for only a few moments, a shaft of light would come through a tiny window near the ceiling. The prisoners devised a plan whereby they would lift the owner of the Bible on their shoulders and into the sunlight. There, in that position, he would study the scriptures. Then they would lower him down and say, Tell us now, friend, what did you read while you were in the light? You may feel like one of those prisoners right now, trapped and losing hope, but I pray you will allow me to share with you what I have read in God's word while I was in the light. Please keep reading and ask God to open your heart to what he has to say to you. An ominous thought that somebody would be reading this book. Um, and so the goal of tonight 
is for us to think about people that we know and to open our abilities and our talents in our spheres of influence and to broaden those thoughts of who we can reach. And so I ask a question tonight. Who here is an evangelist? I'm going to ask for a show of hands. There's just a little bit of participation here. Who here is an evangelist? Say it. Okay. Let me ask another question. Who here has been justified by Christ's sacrifice on the cross? Every hand. Now I ask again, who here is an evangelist? Everybody raise their hands. Now, I'm making a point. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm going to backtrack a little bit, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about this story. It's really God's story for Mark Eden and what he did with me. And so I want to backtrack a little bit. And... We're not going to go too far back, but I want to go back to when I began medical school, even before that. I was saved at a fairly young age in, in high school at a small little Baptist church, Pipe Creek Baptist Church. And I thank God for that. Um, and from that moment, there were moments of time that I was able to share Christ with friends in high school. And um, one particular time as I went into college I remember a um, college professor of English he uh, came up to me and he, he cautioned me that my what I was going to write about would determine whether or not I got an A in the class and there would be three questions and we had to be prepared to write the essay um, in that one hour period of time. Well, one of the questions was, what is the most important day of your life? Well, for any believer, it's the day you receive Jesus Christ. It should be for anyone. And I thought about it. I said, man, this is going to be a for sure B. I just know it. And uh, but I said, that's what I have to write about. And on the day of the exam, I was running 102 fever. So I'm going, oh, man, where is this coming from? But you had to make it or, or it was going to be a makeup later on. He just did it. So I wrote the best I could uh, describing my um, conversion. And um, sure enough, I got to be. Um, but looking back on that, he had to read that. And there was all kinds of distractions for that. Nobody wanted me to write that paper. So I, I, these were subtle attacks. And Satan will do these things. And um, so we're going to talk about the diversions of, of that Satan will use. And some of them that I've experienced when you're talking to someone. And how you can kind of get around that a little bit. We got to be not, we you have to be a little uh, crafty. Let's put that's the best word to use as we approach these things. So on I went um, 
And th these were, I would call them uh, not productive years of of my life when I went to pharmacy school and even to medical school. It seems I got uh, wrapped up in the in the academics of trying to learn the profession and but I always was involved. I had a good church home, but my evangelistic part of my life was really uh, kind of just something that was in the background and I'm, I'm not proud of that and now looking in retrospect. But the medical profession is not friendly to God. Okay? It's just not. And the training is uh, we are actually trained to not bring any, uh, any concepts of faith or religion or to make any kind of moral judgments or anything of this sort that you're, you're just taught that. Well, uh, I kind of took those tongue-in-cheek and just listened to them, but um, I, I just had a feeling that was not going to be the way that I would be able to practice medicine. So um, I went through residency and began my practice here in Fredericksburg. So I'm going to just read a little, a little bit now from what I saw. So as a physician and a believer in Christ, I began my career. It, it began to become clear through a flow process that the physical could not be separated from the spiritual. And the physical complaint due to the fall are commonly, if not most of the time, relinked to spiritual illness. Not all the time, but much of the time. I found it to be the case that in order to treat the physical, it would be necessary to address the spiritual. I began to realize that the physician's office is a fertile ground for ministry and the plan of God for healing of body, soul, and spirit, and that there is no worse disease than unbelief, nor one with any worse consequences. In dealing with people and their struggles of pain and loss and death, and their struggles of life and joy and sadness, and growing old with patience, assisting in the birth of new life, and saying goodbye to good friends, God showed me that in order to be of any use for him, I needed to learn a deeper level of love and trust and obedience to him for his glory. And I would need to redefine my definition of being a physician for his I once heard from this church, if you want to know what real love is, it's being willing to do whatever is necessary for a person in light of eternity. I thought about that. Implementing that into my practice was going to be a little bit difficult. That would mean doing things that were not natural and things that would uh, require work a lot of thought, things that might even cause pain and division. It meant I was going to be responsible to God and to God alone. And uh, I once heard this definition that being responsible is doing what you don't want to do 
because you know it's the right thing to do. I don't know if that's accurate, but it certainly has been applicable for me. So as I considered how I was going to practice medicine, if true love was to prevail, then three things had to be taken care of. And these are the three biggest enemies of evangelism that I found. One is fear, and I had a lot of fear before I moved into trying to be an evangelist and do what God has called us to do. Misplaced priorities. Can you take a little time? Can you study a little more? Can you learn some um, apologetics a little bit? And we'll talk about apologetics in a little bit. And then the biggest one, perhaps, and the one that was the most difficult to think about was apathy. Just not really thinking about it, not caring about it. And that was not a, a good place to be. So in Matthew twenty eight nineteen through 20, God gives us the command to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. Ephesians four eleven through 12 tells us that he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Though you may not have the actual gift of evangelism as believers and bondservants of Christ, we are called to evangelize. I've had the experience to be able to witness individuals who have the gift of evangelism and it's it's a pretty amazing to see and um, they're motivated by love and empowered by the Holy Spirit it is something to behold I personally do not consider myself to be gifted in this way uh, to be frank it was very daunting intimidating and frightening to begin to incorporate this into my practice and to incorporate biblical counseling from the truth of God's word in my daily work um, a lot of trial and error some success and a lot of failure to learn strategies and techniques leaving behind the old operation bootstrap and you have to learn to trust God the Holy Spirit to be in control because this is all a, a, of God anything that you do is that way so, my first real indoctrination came, and I was standing right over in front of the coffee machine. And one of our pastors came uh, over to me and said, and well, I would back up a little bit on this. When I was at the Pipe Creek Baptist Church, we would have the old-fashioned revivals. And when we had those revivals, uh, individuals would come from other churches. And I remember a young lady uh, I was quite smitten with her. She was amazing. and But she was talking about how she was afraid after she became a Christian that God would call her to go to Africa. And that was the last place she wanted to go. And 
I remember thinking to myself, I agree with that. Yeah. Wouldn't want to go there either. And so right over in front of that coffee machine, um, one of our pastors came over to me and said, hey, I want you to go to Africa. And I remember going, well, I don't know about that. And he said, no, I want you to go. We need a physician, and I want you to go. You're, it's going to be great. And so I said, well, honestly, at the time, and this is a long time ago, well over 20 years ago, I said, well, honestly, right now, I just don't know if I can afford it. He went, not a problem. Okay, well, I don't know if I have the time. He said, to answer me one thing, do you have a desire to do something like that? And I said, well, give me just a little time to think about this. And I prayed about it. And you know what? I did have a desire. Wow. Put this in front of me. Yeah, I do. I called him. You know, I said, I do have a desire. He goes, okay. God will handle the rest. He will take care of it. Well, God provided all the money I needed to go. And it was not cheap. Um, and he provided the time, and it was an amazing trip, and we went into the bush in Africa. And I got to see men with the gift of evangelism, and I got put to the test to evangelize myself. And it was, it was frightening, uh, but it was something God helped me through, God saw me through, and... Um, that began a desire in me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who were lost. Um, so, what I'm wanting to talk about tonight, kind of enough about me for the most part, um, how to approach evangelizing in the unsaved, and, and I'm going to discuss some techniques and approaches and, and just a methodology of things that I found to be successful and put into place. Uh, I want to be very clear. This is not my story. It is to explain and only to learn what I believe God has shown me and allowed me to participate in for His glory. And what I speak to you about tonight, I speak in complete humility and thanksgiving to God. God gets all the glory. So... <clears throat> To evangelize well, it's, it is, uh, you know, perhaps a lot of you have already done this and you already have some techniques and, and there's a lot of different ways that you can approach this. Um, the message is always the same, and that is the gospel. But it does require diligence. Um, if, if you're going to achieve more success and have more opportunity and expand your horizons to other people you can see, the more you do this, the more you practice it, it's amazing how many more opportunities come and God will put in front of you to do this. Um, but it requires preparation and it requires sacrifice. Um, don't be discouraged or let it deter you. The benefits are immeasurable and the rewards are eternal. Um, from Scripture, we recall a lot of words, and, and there are Scriptures to back these all up on, on interest of time. We don't really have time to do that, but study, 
You can think of a passage, pressing on, perseverance, faith, hope, patience, long-suffering, and the most important, love. All of these are going to be necessary if you're going to fulfill God's desire for you to be successful in leading unsaved to Christ and to discipleship. I remember a part God said, apart from me you can do nothing, but you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Simply stated, we are empty vessels. Remember uh, Pastor Rose talking about that. If you've heard that, it was a great message. Empty vessels whom God the Holy Spirit will fill to perform this most precious and sobering work. So, we can relax. This is God's business. Put in the time and the effort. He'll provide the opportunities. We must realize there's nothing to do with us, everything to do with God. Um, I've come to realize that every situation is unique. Um, there is no standard model to be used for evangelism. Uh, I believe it is possible that I can present some concepts and ideals that can help you to improve your ways of evangelizing unbelievers. Um, but again, to be very clear, though the, the, the methods may be different and the approach may be different for different individuals, always the message is only one, and that is the gospel. So I'm going to review in a way that I found very useful um, to present the gospel a little bit later. Um, it's just very simple. Uh, and I've outlined a general set of ideals. And this is where you can kind of begin to write and use. And perhaps everybody already knows this. I don't know. But this has been something that's helpful for me. Um, right. Bud Light's good. Oh, oh we're live streaming. Sorry. <laughs> It's just water. Um, so, in my profession, and perhaps for each of you as well, we really don't know what the Lord has in store for us each and every day. But it's a wild ride. It's amazing. If you open your eyes, if you want a mission field, just wake up and open your eyes and begin your day. Because it's a mission field wherever you are whatever you're doing. So, we don't want to miss any opportunities. Each encounter with every person you see is important. Therefore, we're going to go through some items on how to prepare. And I think the first and foremost thing you do is pray. This is your daily preparation. Um... This is a really important passage of Scripture, so I'm going to pull it up here. It's one of my favorites, and it really describes what you need to do if you're going to be successful. And it's really the armor of God. And each of these items in the armor are useful. And so we're going to gear our prayers that we will be successful in putting on the armor of God. Finally, be strong, starting in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. God's in control. The Holy Spirit is going to work through you 
and he's working in the lives of these people that you're going to approach. If not, you, you're, everything's not going to work. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil does not want you to evangelize anyone. And it's amazing the little tactics that he will use to divert those. And I'll talk about a few of those in a little bit. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, knowing that our enemy is a spiritual force, Satan and his minions. We want to be able to resist him in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. We've already captured the high ground. We don't need to go anywhere. But he wants you to belt your waist with truth. So, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. I knew this was going to happen. I'm going to get all out of order on this. In order to be an effective witness, you have to be living a life that is believable. That is not hypocritical. That presents Christ. And if if you're. And you know. I, I don't even want to say. The conditions I've been. When I've tried to do this. And it just doesn't work. You need to be in a position. Where you are not only. A hearer of the word. But a doer of the word. So we're going to put on. Belt your waist with truth. And you're going to put on. The breastplate of righteousness. Okay. Having put on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're going to need to know the gospel and know it well. And you have to practice it. You have to practice saying it to someone else. Because the presentation has to be very clear and very concise and very in the moment. There's only a little bit of time when you do this. The gospel is the most important thing that we're going to get to for these individuals. Um, in addition, you're taking up a shield of faith. All right, well, you're going to use that to put out the arrows that are designed to stimulate your sin nature, whatever those are. We're going to have to put those aside, and we're going to put on the helmet of salvation. You're protecting the most important organ of your body, and you're going to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that word is rhema in the Greek, and it means spoken word. So you're going to have to wield that with every prayer and request. Pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that the speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, chains. That in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We can pray this for ourselves. So when we pray, when we begin this process, we want to be in fellowship. We want to be abiding in the spirit. And my best definition I've heard of abiding in the spirit. Well, you're, you're in the word and you're in fellowship. But it really is less of... You and more of God. You're an empty vessel. You want to abide. 
Jesus said, abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. You can't do anything apart from abiding. So we're going to abide in the Spirit, and we're going to pray that we don't miss any opportunities. This is, this is going to be daily, okay? If you really want to do this, I don't, I, I'm not bragging, okay? But in my daily prayer, I ask God, when I don't pray this, very little happens. When I pray this, it's amazing what happens. And the prayer is that I will not miss a single opportunity to deliver the message of the gospel. And that I will be given opportunities and I will not miss any opportunities to properly counsel if it's a believer. You know, Open my eyes uh, that I can do this. And learn to pray on the fly. I mean... I can be talking to you. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do. I can be talking to you and praying at the same time. He will allow your mind to do that way. And as I'm talking to people, sometimes I'm saying, let this person hear what they need to hear. Let me say the right words. And I'm either listening or talking at the same time. He'll let you do that. He wants you to do that. Now, as you identify, I hate to use this word, and let's just say this. As you identify individuals who need the gospel, you begin to pray for them. You pray for the mind of the unbeliever to be open to hear the gospel. Pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Pray for accurate delivery and pray for opportunity. I can't say that enough. We ask God for wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and discernment. Discernment is so important when you're talking to an unbeliever. You need to be on your toes and and ready to give an answer. Uh, but also know when to back off. Because this is, uh, you want to make sure the gospel is delivered. But you, you can sense from individuals how they are receiving very quickly. I mean, I'm, I have an advantage of, I mean, I've already interviewed 92 patients this week. Okay, so, and it'll probably be 120 to maybe 130 by the end of the week, and I've done this for 30 years. So, reading people's faces and eyes, you can learn to do this too. You can see when somebody's interested. Or, or, you know, we read the eyes. The eyes are what you're looking at. And you can tell when somebody's interested. So, um... We pray for the opportunity. We pray for protection from demonic influence. This is important. Um, be persistent in your prayers for specific individuals. I remember a lady from our, an older lady and, um, who we prayed for for years. And she came to this church for years. And at the end, right before she ended, she received Christ. And she's in heaven today. But we prayed for her as a church, as, an, as elders and individuals. And it's just persistence. Sometimes I don't understand why God isn't answering a prayer quickly. Well, if you think about it, he's dealing not just with you. It's not just about Mark Eden. It's about this individual. I've heard your prayer and I'm working on the heart of this person over here. But there is timing. And there's a time 
when this is going to happen. But it's not going to happen at all if you aren't identifying people in your sphere of influence. Okay, if you don't take an interest. Really, the most important thing of what I'm talking to you all about tonight is motivation. Because you have been equipped and you have the tools. There's more that we can learn. So, uh, my next point after pray is to be salty. You know, we're called to be salt. And so, live a life in a way to reflect Christ. We are called to be not only hearers, but doers. We are not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. How often? Daily. For what purpose? So that we may be able to discern, there's that word again, what the perfect will of God is. Uh, And we are asked to bring every thought captive to Christ. And I'm just going to tell you one of the biggest hindrances to evangelism is the feeling that Christians are hypocritical. That they do, they say one thing and they do another. And it does happen. And I've got an answer for that. And I've used it, I don't know how many times with an individual. And I say, you know what, you're right. If your dependence is going to be on man, they are going to fail you 100% of the time. Okay? Um, Never, and this is my answer, never let man get between you and God. Don't do it. God is who he is. He's utterly and separately different than us. And you can go into an explanation of that, and that's usually reasonable, and you can gain an ear by doing this, or just little techniques. The third point um, is to study. This cannot be overemphasized. Second Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in 1 Peter 3.15-16, through 16, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks to give an account for the hope that is within you, but with gentleness and respect. So I can tell you, I early on got into conversations with Jehovah Witness, with atheists, and with evolutionists, all non-believers, and I was ill-prepared, not ready. And uh, you know, I, I did the best I could do, but there's an, there, there are questions that you're going to get into with some people, and you're just sometimes going to get a little forgetful about what you wanted to say, and it is okay always give the gospel. You, you've got to do that, and, but, but it's okay when somebody asks something and, and you're not sure, to say, you know what, that's a great question, and I'm going to get back to you on that. And so you go back, you do your research, and you come back with them. Yeah, it's it's time consuming, but uh, that's an uh, that's okay to do, and I've done it before, and it works. And it, it's an honest approach, and most people are very gracious, and they're going to listen. Hey, you know what? Let me tell you why the Bible is true. I couldn't remember what I was going to say before, but now I've got to tell you why. 
Call Bill Smith because he's a Bible expert. Didn't you teach on that? Why the Bible? Or somebody did did a Bible thing anyway. Um, no, I've developed a good answer for that, and thanks to Alex and then and then in this book. But you can, we'll go through some of those questions here in a minute. The last one of the other reasons, another reason, or another topic to consider when you're going to do this is to be motivated. Think about your motivation for why you want to evangelize. Doug, time for the pictures. So this is for you, and it's, it's, you don't use this when you're going to evangelize somebody, but this is a picture of the great white throne judgment. Turn the lights out, somebody, just a second, so you can really see these. But I really want the gravity of these pictures to grip you because to be frank for an unbeliever who rejects the gospel in this lifetime, it would be better for the rapture to happen for them because once they die, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. This is the final great, great white throne judgment. That all unbelievers will go to. And there is no no uh, remedy for this. Go to the next one. Can you imagine. A loved one or a friend. Or a family member. Or someone within your spheres of influence. Having to face this. I mean if this doesn't really give you an angst about it I don't know what else will and the next one this is a picture and I imagine this is all of the throngs of unbelievers over all time and they're going to appear before Christ and uh, you know their, their deeds are not going to measure up and they're going to be cast into this lake of fire. And then the last one. So this is a little comic relief. After such a gravitas moment. This is a, a picture of Doug Thornton. Probably not Doug. But but he used to do this. At see uh, at, um, Astro. Where, where was it? Astro World. And uh, this was... Uh, Right before his uh, receiving Christ. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is what made him decide to evangelize. So, um, you can turn the lights back on. But really and truly, we, we motivate because we love people. Because we don't want anybody to, uh, to face that kind of situation. So, we can recall from Pastor Alex's teaching three reasons to be obedient to Christ. He's asked us to go out to all the nations and make disciples. So three reasons. One, because we fear him. We have a great respect and we will all face and give an accounting for things done and not done at the great, at the uh, Bema seat judgment. And we do not be, want to be ashamed of his appearing. The second one is because we want to gain rewards. That's valid. We don't want to lose rewards. We want to gain rewards. And these rewards are eternal. 
Um, and they will be given at the judgment seat, and they will go with you throughout eternity. We don't want to suffer loss. And the best reason of all is because you love Christ. He gave all for us. We are actually seated with him. Sometimes it's hard for me to get my mind wrapped around that axle. We are seated with Christ, and he has given us every spiritual blessing and we need to remember that he loves every single person who has ever lived or who ever will. So the primary motive for telling others the gospel is love. Now just think about in the quietness of your own mind someone you know or just anyone who's come into contact with and imagine some of them being in this great white throne judgment. If we saw an infant in a busy street and cars were coming, wouldn't you do anything you could to save that baby, to help him? We would. Um, Now, put it in terms of the gospel. Imagine someone standing there and the car's coming and you go over and you say, I can save you if you're willing. But if not, you can suffer the consequences. Christ is there and he said, you know, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So people are standing on the edge of eternity and Christ is telling them, I can save you if you're willing. Just trust in me and what I've done for you. Trust in the message and I will take care of the rest. So we know these things, but I'm I'm really just trying to bring it home. Think about Jesus and the people that he spoke to. And just a few of them came to my mind, the woman at the well, the lame individual, many sick individuals, people who were had on the brink of dying. He spoke to Pharisees, magistrates. Anyone and everyone in your sphere of influence is an opportunity. So in a way, really evangelism is a mindset. It's a mindset. Yeah, you you know, it may be just a word. It may be something, and we become, so to speak, just soul seekers. I, when I was writing this up, I said soul predators, and my son said, "No, no, 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 don't say that, Dad. Not a predator. Uh, soul seekers. We we become those who seek out the opportunity um, to give the good news. Now." Areas that we all share in common, our families, our neighbors, our friends. So we have to overcome our apathy, our misplaced priorities, and our fear. I'm just going to keep going back to that. Always remember that love, what love is in light of eternity. Um, So now we come to the moment of truth. You you have prepared, you've put on the spiritual armor, you you have prayed, you're motivated, You've studied, um, and you're ready to do it. And so you've identified someone, uh, or maybe it's just 
you're always ready at any moment and someone comes in to your life um, as everything now has prepared you for this moment. And so before I go into a few more points to remember, I'm just going to say there are many forums for evangelizing the lost. Um, there are mission trips. There's a, a, a very good church in this town and they do street evangelism in the market plats every week. Um, and they just go and talk to individuals. Yeah, we're certainly within the church, and inviting someone to church is, is a good forum to use. Large gatherings, we're all aware of Billy Graham and the amazing ministry they have. Television and even the Internet, although some of that can be, uh, I did some exploring on that. It's uh, Satan has learned how to get into that and uh, change things around. You're re- really hearing false gospel a lot of times, but there's a lot of good there too. Um, I'm most familiar with the mission field, and most of my experience has been uh, one-on-one. And that's where you begin to develop a trust relationship and a friendship with people. And you're seeking for opportunities to share the gospel with people that you know. So I have a lot of friends that are unbelievers. And I think that's a good thing, honestly. I think... That's how we get to know people, and it's how we increase our our uh, spheres of influence. And um, so we remember to prepare and to pray. And um, just some more, a few more points before we wrap up here. Satan is always active, and I'll give you a couple of of uh, examples. And so I've learned how to handle this. I usually try to get an individual alone and one-on-one. And because I've had it where families were in the room and uh, they will immediately shut down the presentation. And I believe that's influenced from the evil one. Um, I had a, a lady who was very concerned about her uh, age and that she was going to die and I just yeah I thought you know this is this is really uh, she is old very old and getting near and I just brought up one of the questions and we're going to go through some questions that are useful and I said uh, have you uh, I learned this from a, a missionary friend of mine and he just cuts to the chase he said have you received Jesus Christ for the giving of eternal life and the forgiveness of your sins and uh immediately just got this really hard look. You could tell her heart had been hardened. And she just looked at me and said, um, no. And I remember just, and, and immediately before another word could be said, the other room person in the room says, we'll handle that later. We'll take care of that. In other words, don't say another word. I've had individuals who, uh, and and really people, uh, when they're sick and they're hurting or they have life-threatening illness, they're commonly ready to listen to something. It's a fertile ground. So if you have that opportunity, it's a it's a it's a great place to jump in. And uh, so I had a guy, uh, and he was said condition was terminal, and so I I told my office. Manager Julie, I said, you need to bring this fellow in. And uh, 
feel what for and I, I just bring him in. I need to talk to him. And when he came in to the office, there was a lady with him. And she in, informed me that she was going in the room with him. And I said, not this time. You're going to need to stay outside the room. And it was a battle to not have her come in the room. She said, I don't go anywhere without him. Well, we were able to get him by himself and give him the gospel. And he was very grateful and found out actually he was already a believer, but really probably didn't even know it. He was that doctrinally unsound. Um, but uh, when you have other people around, unless you're intending to really, unless you have the relationship and you're in that uh, environment and you feel comfortable with it, I just found it to be better to be one-on-one -on -one and have, a, have an honest conversation um, in that way. Uh, we we always follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, man, I've jumped off, and I just, uh, in retrospect, I said, man, that was all about you, and you just see what happened there. It was a big belly flop. And um, so uh, I'm just very, try to use a lot of discernment. You have to be a really good listener and be patient. So, um, I've I've learned that key words are often opportunities. When somebody says they're in pain or they're sad, or even they could say about a, what a beautiful day it is, who would think that that thought could lead into a gospel presentation? A beautiful day. Wow. Yeah, it is. Wonder who where that came from. You know. Uh, and it leads into uh, a discussion of God, that God made this beautiful day and that God is the creator. And and uh, it can lead into a lot of good conversation. So be a good, good listener. Be patient. Wait for the opportunity. The Holy Spirit will tell you, will, will allow you to hear these words. It's all about listening to him. And he will provide those opportunities. I will tell you today. I had a I had a lady and and uh, let's go into these questions real quick because we're going to run out of time. Um, what kind of questions do are have have I found to be very useful uh, to enter into a question? And this will tell you very quickly where you are. Um, do you go to church? Where do you go? Well, I go down to the Kingdom Hall. Okay. Well, if you're not good with Jehovah Witness, you better shut it down. They're going to eat your lunch. And you need to go back and know and do some study on that and do that. Or you're already ready. Or they say, yeah, I, I do go to church. I, I go to the, the Baptist church. Okay. Next question. So you're a Christian. Yeah. Can you define that for me? Why are you Christian? Well, most of them, if they're serious, they'll say, well, because I've trusted in Jesus Christ. Okay, end of story. We're going along good. You got to, you know, why? The why question means a lot. Do you have a church home? And and sometimes uh, 
people are kind of wondering why I say, I'll just say, well, I just want to know what your support systems are. Okay. It's a way of disarming conversation if they're getting upset. But I just want to know what your support system is. Oh, okay. Well, no, I don't go to church at all. Okay. Did you go to church when you were younger? Okay. You're really probing for some information. And people do not mind these kinds of questions. They really don't. Um, I try, uh, I, I like, uh, um, I like to avoid questions uh, like this one. What do you think? Okay. I'm not interested in what they think. God's not interested in what they think. We already know that people are born with the innate knowledge that God exists, Romans 1. And so a lot of times our job is to awaken that God consciousness within them that they were born with. It's been squelched out and their hearts have been hardened or circumstances or whatever. And so I already we already know, so I don't have to, to ask them, what do you think when it happens when a person dies? Okay. Instead, I like to ask, if you die, will you go to heaven? That's a fair question. Most people in this country, they know what you're talking about, okay? If you die, will you go to heaven? Well, now this gives you an opportunity because they're usually going to ask it. well, I don't know. Or maybe they'll say, yeah, I believe I will. Um, and I say, well, okay, Why? Why would God let you into heaven? Well, you get this a lot. Because I, I try to be a good person. And uh, so I have a response for that. Um, or uh, I had a lady today. This, this, is a, this is one that happened today. And we were talking, and, and she has a problem with her heart. And uh, I said, uh, this is another one I, I really like to use. And it's a very quick way to find out. Uh, and you can just say, well, the Lord's going to come soon. Or I hope Jesus comes back quickly. And just see what the response is. And so I said, uh, I was not looking, there, uh, looking at her when I said it. And I said, uh, uh, man, I, I sure hope Jesus comes back soon, don't you? She goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said, uh, well, you're ready, aren't you? And she said, um, well, I think so. And I said, well, why aren't you? Why well, aren't you ready? What, what would, do you think you'd go to heaven? And uh, she says, well, yeah. I said, why? And she says, well, because God wants me in heaven. I said, you're right. God wants you in heaven. Now let me tell you how you get there. How can you get there? And I just gave a very simple, concise, quick gospel presentation. And she heard it. And I said, so that's all there is. I said, it's not about anything you do. There's nothing you can do to get into heaven. God's not interested in that. He's interested in do you believe in Christ. And she had heard the gospel but she never really, really heard it, I'm not sure. So I, I think she got it. 
And she was happy for the teaching that she told me when I left. So give God the credit, all the credit for that. So um, uh, I, I try to um, avoid questions like, do you believe God exists? Okay, that's probably my least favorite. It just goes into something. We already know that God exists. They already knew, knew at their point when they were born that God exists. Let's talk about uh, God as if he does exist. Um, you can develop your own questions. Uh, I like another one. Do you know how much God loves you? Everybody wants to be loved by God, I found, for the most part, unless they're really hardened. And you get some of those. Okay. So you got to be ready to face the ire a little bit. Do you know how much God loves you? And that's an easy lead in to the gospel. Um, you want to give a simple and clear, concise gospel presentation. This is the power of God unto salvation. I, I like to use three S's. And it just helps me to remember what to say. And it's sin, Savior, and salvation. I'm not going to go into a long detail of that because everybody here knows the gospel. But I tell you what you can do is the gospel is printed on the back of our bulletin and you can cut it out and you can keep it and you go and it's got all the scripture references on there and it's an eloquent, very concise and you can even sit down with somebody and just read it with them. Hey, I got this for you. People love to have something put in their hands. They do. They like to have something to read later on. And so they read this and you, you can you can just go through it with them. They've heard the gospel, okay? And that's what you want to do. Uh, practice saying it. Practice delivering it. Um, keep it personal. This is to them. You don't want to get general with it. This is about you and your relationship with God. This is you we're talking about. And you don't want to say just to gen avoid general terms. We've got to hone this in for them. Evangelism is all about love. It involves loving people, wanting to reach out to them, being friendly and open to them and serving them. Avoid being argumentative and witnessing or conveying the impression that you have all the answers. There is zero room for being obnoxious, proud, or dominating in conversation. Relax. State the gospel as simply and clearly as possible. If they are resisting the leading of the Spirit, there's no amount of arguing that will help them. More people are loved into the kingdom than argued. Um, to be sure, we must be ready to answer difficult questions. Do not be afraid to simply state, I don't know the answer to that question, but I will get back to you. Do some research and follow up. I tried to avoid distractions and diversionary tactics that Satan will try to use as much as possible. And for the person, they'll try to divert you. They want to get off of this subject. It's a little unnerving. I mean, I'm responsible to God. Uh, and so you know, pull them back in. I do use apologetics as little as possible because it become, leads into things, but it's, they're necessary, and they're necessary to expose, and hear me, disbelief. Okay, so that's when you use it. Um, 
And that's what I have found to, uh, but you're going to have to answer some of those questions. Some of the questions I face, does God exist? How do you know? And that usually is going to lead into a discussion of creation and evolution almost always. How do you know God exists? How did God say you know I exist? By what has been created. Romans 1. Okay. How could God allow this to happen to me? Now, if there's a God, that he did this to me. I hear it all the time. I can't believe this. Well, that's when you go into an explanation of the garden. And that's where the the first the proto evangelical is is the the first mention of the gospel. Hey, this is not God's fault. This is man's fault. Man is responsible. God is the solution, and it leads you into a gospel presentation. Good versus evil. I've run into this one. You know, for the unbeliever, evil has always been and always will be. Okay, as believers, we know that evil had a beginning and it has an end. Okay. And uh, how do you know the Bible is true? Well, there's a very good little deal in this book, which I'm going to show you in a minute. And uh, But I also love, and I st- stole this from from uh, Alex, 40 different authors, many of whom did not know each other, over a span of 1,500 years, involving 66 books, three different languages on three different continents, all written with the same themes concerning fall, redemption, creation, God's coming kingdom. Okay. What are the odds of that? Okay. Now, another one that I've heard and uh, is, is this, and kind of verified in here, is that 20% of the Bible was prophetical at the time it was revealed. That means one out of five Verses of the Bible relate to prophecy. About 10% of that prophecy has been fulfilled. Maybe 8 or 10%. I'm really forgetting what that percentage was. It means about 10% has not been fulfilled. So if you... The example that was told to me, I didn't verify this, but statisticians statisticians look at the, the chances of that happening. It would be like spreading quarters four inches deep over the state of Texas painting one of them red, blindfolding an individual, and that they would pick out that quarter on the first try. There you can use all, you know, the prophecy of the Bible is it the Bible is its best critic. And, and uh, you know, what has come true. Um, so those are some things you'll you'll have to you you might need to do creation evolution apologetics, and then uh, one that that um, comes up is works. You know that, that is the, probably the biggest way that the gospel is being attacked today is through works based uh, gospel, and so you need an apologetic for that. And um, highly recommend James and Romans four to look at that. I've accumulated a number of resources, and I just want to show you some of these. hope you don't mind me taking a little bit of time. This is an excellent book, Is Atheism Dead? Okay, and in it, uh, you can just find just about any uh, apologetic you want. I just um, 
read from the table of contents very briefly. Uh, in the beginning was the Big Bang, where, where science cannot go, the Big Bang and other singularities, the fine-tuned planet, fine-tuned universe. And in it, he, he basically counters some of the biggest atheists that have ever chose to speak and so you can you can read and you can find apologetics in here uh i like this book the calling it was given to me i haven't read the whole book but i've read some excerpts and there are some great apologetics in there on people who who wondered there's a, a, a insert in here about a cardiovascular surgeon and he was wondering why what he did hadn't saved this patient and so it led into uh, a discussion of the existence of God and why it was. You can give uh, a believer and even an unbeliever and get as many of these copies as you want. This is Foundations. VMI does this. And it's basically a, uh, it was designed for uh, third world countries for pastors who had not had seminary training and they could learn it's basically just looks at all all the Bible and how to study it and that kind of thing. I've got handed out a lot of these, so this is a good tool. I like Research Creation Institute. Um, uh, I may not agree with all of the theology. Some of those that's for the most part extremely good. Answers in Genesis is very good, um, and then uh, you've got a video libraries of, of Alex and Andy Woods, Jeremy Thomas, David Jeremiah. There's just a lot of them that you can refer people to. And uh, I had a, a gentleman who was not a believer, and, and I think I've told this story before, but he came in. This is how you how the Holy Spirit will work. And he was very sad. He came in for a sore back, but he was very sad, and he said, I'm so depressed. And why? Because my sparrow died. And so immediately it led into where do you think that sparrow came from? And, of course, there are ver verses that talk about sparrow. And um, we were able to talk about creation, and then it led into a gospel presentation. And I said, look, it's just go, and, and I want you to uh, listen to some tapes. And I had some very you know, uh, clear tapes of Andy Woods was doing and I knew that the gospel was presented in there again and uh, he came back in and says well how's it going and uh, I said you listen to those tapes and he said, yeah it didn't connect with him it just didn't uh, make a lot of sense he says but I was driving down the road and I turned on the radio and David Jeremiah was on and I said, wow, great. I love David Jeremiah. He's a good guy. What you, would you learn? He goes, I listen to him every single day. I never miss it. And I said, so if you died, would you go to heaven? And I said, it's the same question I'd asked him before. And he said, he said, at first, at first time, he said, I really don't know. I have no idea. And this time I asked him, I said, would you go to heaven? He goes, yeah, I would. I said, why? Because... I've trusted in Jesus Christ. And all of that was from a one little word that I just picked up on. I didn't pick up on it. The Holy Spirit, I think, allowed me to hear it. And God gets all the credit and all the glory. So this is the last book. 
And I've been interested in this for a while because you do meet people that just aren't going. They're not willing and their hearts are hard. Sometimes it will be it will be necessary to leave it for another day. It's okay. It's God's business. You've planted, somebody else will water, and others will harvest. Don't give up. Now, the last-ditch effort is a book like this, and I really like it. And I've got some copies if anybody wants one. Uh, I think it might have enough for most of the couples. Some of y'all already have it. I don't think you have it yet. I handed it out to some elders. This is called After the Rapture. It's by David Jeremiah. And it is a basically an end times guide to survival. It is not what I would give in the very beginning. And I, I forgot to mention this. I avoid theological terms when I'm talking to an unbeliever. I'm not going to talk about the imputation of Christ's righteousness and things like that. Because you're just going to lose it right immediately. And so... But this is something that you could give and perhaps you know somebody that you've already have evangelized or given the gospel to and they're just not. And you say, you know what? I just want you to read this. This is what it is. And this is coming. Remember, we're going to do whatever is necessary to love that person in light of what? Eternity. And so this is just a book I want you to have in the event that millions of people disappear tomorrow. You're going to want to read this book. I guarantee you they're going to go pick it up and read it. They're not going to be able to stand it. They're going to read this thing immediately. They're going to go home. And it's a very easy read. It's intriguing. And uh, it uh, it can be riveting. If you put yourself in the place of an individual who has missed the rapture and you're reading this, oh my gosh, and you realize, but there is still even hope. I'm one of those who believes that the tribulation time is going to be one of the biggest evangelistic moments in history. And I I think there's going to be a lot of people come out of that, hopefully. So that's, that's all I have for tonight. I hope it was useful. I hope there's some things. Mostly, I hope that I motivated you to talk to somebody, to reach out to somebody, um, and to give the gospel to somebody who's in need. So let's pray, and then we can all go home. Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity um, to speak tonight. I pray that there was something useful here tonight. Most of all, I pray that there would be somebody would benefit from this, and they would hear the gospel and believe in your son, Jesus, that they would not face uh, the judgment that is coming. Thank you for every single individual here and for their diligence. I pray that you would put people in their lives that need to hear the gospel. And I pray that you would give them strength and courage to dispel the fear, remove the apathy, and the misplaced priorities so that we can devote the time to do what you call us to do. And I pray all of these things in the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ himself. 